Alright again guys, I'm talking over this to make sure it's a parody. How's everyone doing today? I hope you're all feeling sexy. listened to this like 400 times this week and I'm really starting to get in this mindset. Drinking wine upon the podcast. It's me alone, no Kevin, no. Drinking wine with my friends from France. Woo! All right. I wish there was a video because I'm like real good. I don't really know what to say. I mean, I, I keep on like wanting to rap over this, and I get distracted because I really like the song. Hey, have you guys heard about Stings? I'd recommend you go out and buy this album. It's called uh, Brand New Day. It's got a picture of Sting on the label, and he looks um, good. Uh, you know, he's kind of a tantric motherfucker, so um, here's the thing. This album lasts forever, too. <laughs> All right. I'll let Sting keep talking. technically a parody you have to make fun of it i think this part doesn't really slap it's like hello sting do you even speak arabic like what what's the idea behind this like i think this maybe was like the last time you could just do world music and not like have a reason um remind me to tell you guys about when i went to the uh, malazi festival in morocco where sting played and um he didn't play any of his songs. For some reason, he played all the weird Broadway songs he wrote uh, in that weird, 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 like 2008 period. He was like, he, he, he sang uh, the first song he opened with was uh, a song from um, his interview with the Vampire Musical, and I swear to God, he like did an accent. It was pathetic. What a fucking piece of shit. But this song goes off. I got front row tickets there because um, uh, Elton John was performing his first time in the Kingdom of Morocco, and it turned out um, no one had done research that he's gay, and um, everyone thought that Al-Qaeda was going to uh, blow up the venue, so I was literally front row because I was the only person I knew who was willing to go. It was like the most socially distanced concert ever, um, you know, uh, but brought up for the Kingdom of Morocco. Very cool, very fun time. Well, I guess we're ready to start the show, huh, guys? Thanks for going on this journey with me. 
This has been a podcast within the podcast. I wonder what kind of mischief we'll get up to today. Leading and that's into a the the entire the entire 50 minute movie is a Saint Laurent commercial uh, in which Charlotte Gainsbourg and Veronique Stahl, if you don't know who Veronique Stahl is, she's France's craziest actress who once ate a human ear. Um, Who's ear? Uh, an ear supplied by her friend while they were on uh, acid. Oh, makes sense. So it was- there's so many questions I want to ask about where that <laughs> came from, um, just for my own purposes. She was uh, unable to reveal where the ear came from, perhaps for legal reasons, but she's quite happy to talk about the fact that she did consume it. Um, How? She's also no longer able to enter in the United States <laughs> as of drug oh. charge. Oh, wait, so the ear was not her friend's. Her friend procured the ear. Her, head, her friend, we, we do know because I think she does know that her friend still has two ears, but her friend <laughs> procured it and encouraged the consumption of it. Do you think it was a free-range ear, or is it from like a human farm? I mean, I think we're talking about conventional ear farming here. Okay, you that's know, good. Which is like another issue that has to be addressed. Yeah, that's, that, we're yeah. going to get there in a second. Now, um, yeah. this year just won't end. I, I just want to. So I'm just starting this new thing where uh, we actually just we, we we did a cold open, but we don't really do cold opens in this podcast anymore. It's a little bit serious mm-hmm. without Kevin. So, yeah. um, hello, welcome to Discordious. It's a podcast about wine. I'm your host, John McCarroll. And I'm joined today by two uh, luminaries in the field of wine. I'm talking with uh, Claudia Lung and uh, Nathan Ratapo. Um, how did I do in that one? Did I hit that? It's hard for me to uh, roll an R in the first syllable. Yeah, you're not you're not made for that, but that's okay. You went for it, and I appreciated it. You know? I say any failure and making that name sound beautiful is my fault. The name is is it, it's an excellent name. I, I appreciate that endorsement of what you. <laughs> I I love multicultural names personally. That's my thing. Um, so welcome to Discorgeous. Um, and today uh, we're having a little bit of fun drinking uh, Beaujolais. Uh, we do this every year here at Discorgeous. We check in. Um, we do a little vintage report, and we um, we you know people associate Discorgeous with Beaujolais, which I I guess is our fault. But um, I actually don't. I have so much Beaujolais that I just look at that I don't drink, actually. It, it feels like it's becoming more and more and more hey. of like a... Uh, it feels like I'm, I'm collecting Burgundy at this point. So um, it's really fun to open some silly trash Burgundy, and um, uh, Beaujolais, and uh, chug it. So um, I thank you guys for coming on the podcast. Uh, hi. Thank, thank you. I mean, is, isn't all Beaujolais just trash Burgundy when we were thinking yes, about 100%. it today? <laughs> Also, the, the like Rhone is trash. Bur- everything's trash burgundy. Yeah, exactly. Everything that's yeah. bubbly-ass burgundy. <laughs> it's burgundy's world and we're living in it. It's true. Yeah. Ooh. Um, I just, I love the sheer joy that is like right in your face when you open just like mm-hmm. Beaujolais Village, like straight Beaujolais. You just immediately feel like, I I want to have sex. Like, I want to, like, you know? Like, that's what you feel like. You're like, this is fuck juice. And yeah. Crew Beaujolais is not necessarily fuck juice. Crew Beaujolais is... No, no, not true, yeah. 
you take pictures of Crew Beaujolais, so your friends online um, send you supportive DMs, like, hey, are you going through something? You're drinking a lot of Julianas. But like, <laughs> like actual Beaujolais, like, you know, they should call it Bone Gelee. By the way, the wow. premise um, sucks, though. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't know if I shook it up on the bike ride or this is also the 18 vintage so this is this is interesting because when you told me that you had the 18 because i when i bought this so mm -hmm. i'm drinking i'm drinking the 2019 okay. Um, okay so when i bought this the, the guy that i bought it from um told me that he had just met with remy dufet mm -hmm. um at the verbalet and remy was like really really drunk apparently remy's like the kind of guy he's a big guy <laughs> they get yeah. big in Beaujolais yeah and apparently he like eats you know like three three meals over the course of like one free offered meal at the way okay we love uh, it. yeah and then like gets completely wasted and also like very big personality I don't know if it's big problematic personality or just Oh, he's French, so it's big, probably big not, jolly not problematic. <laughs> probably not not problematic, but um, he eventually starts telling them that like they shouldn't open. They should just like get rid of all of the 2018 premies that they have because it's shit. It smells oh, like shit. It tastes like yeah. shit. And he was like, the 2019 is much better, much fresher. The 2018 he hated. I mean, there's so much VA in here. Yeah, there's a lot of VA. Um, how's your 2019? Is it delicious? It's pretty slurpable. Yeah. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like, I, I'm not getting, I'm not really getting, there's a little bit of VA, but it's, it's actually balanced by a lot of fruit. There's a ton of sour cherry in here, but mm -hmm. kind of like, like cooked sour cherry that works for me really well. This is doing some like acetone things in my yeah, mouth, which is not sure. the most, I mean, I'm going to drink it. Obviously it's open. I mean, I'm not <laughs> an idiot, but also and so, a little mouse in there. Yeah. Um, what's, so this is an interesting one. Is, is this a nouveau? I've heard people describe this one as a nouveau to me, but I don't think. No, it, it, he has a separate cuvee that is a nouveau. Yeah. So I would, what I was able to find online about this is that it, it's picked earlier. Okay. Like it's picked in, in the beginning, normally at the beginning of September, at the beginning of the harvest. And it's, I mean, it's always destined for a cuvee that's meant to be like very fresh, ready to drink quite early, but it's not meant to be released in November and just consumed, mm. you know, to get drunk. Like it has a little bit more delicacy to it. It's doing a little, it's doing some mustard on it right now, which I kind of like. Oh. There's like a little yeah. bit, there's something I, I'm willing to drink this one glass. I don't know if I'm gonna drink the three glasses I have apportioned to myself, <laughs> but I'm, I'm here and I'm happy. Well, let's let's talk about VA a little bit for you guys with respect to something like as as juicy and you know like fruit driven as as like Beaujolais can be, especially in the entry level. Like I'm losing you a little bit. Oh, sorry, I'm coming up closer. Do you do you like a little bit of VA with something really juicy and 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 saucy like Beaujolais can be? I mean, especially mm -hmm. in it's kind of like you know youngest sluttiest expression <laughs> i don't mind it but this is also finishing really flat for me mm -hmm. um if it gave it a little more lift i don't think i would have minded so much but net right now it's just feeling really choppy yeah it, it, it feels like an, an undone wine like um 
that being said, I, mean, I don't know if I made this wine, I'd be through the fucking roof and I'd tell you guys about it. It's just like, you know, for, um, for a grown up to make this wine, someone who makes, <laughs> but 2018 was, a, um, I mean, so one of the reasons the, the idea for today was to originally be a 2019, um, uh, vintage round. I know. I fucked up. I'm so sorry. Claudia fucked up. Yeah. She's our intern and she fucked up. Um, and <laughs> I killed Gunter. The shame, <laughs> the shame. Um, yeah, the, the 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 reason why I wanted to do 2019, um, and the the next wine we have is a 2019. It's because 2019 is supposed to be like an actually good vintage in Beaujolais. Like, there's like the big vintages like 2009, 2015, which um are silly and don't mm-hmm. have a lot of substance to them. But 2019 seems to be like 2016, but without hail. Like, it's a vintage where people got made wine and it tastes the way it should which is, I think, really exciting. 2018 was definitely not that. 2018 is, uh, everyone's, wi- everyone's wines are like 15% fucking alcohol. Yeah, big, big fucking wines. And it's nice, it's nice to return to something like this, which is like pre, I mean, this 2019 is 13%, but it mm-hmm. drinks fresh. It's drinking, I mean, very, very fruity, but light on its feet. It's funny if you read if you read Adventures in the Wine Route, um, Kermit's like, "Oh, if it ever gets to thirteen percent, that's like a really good vintage in Beaujolais." And it's it's crazy to imagine. I mean, like people, everyone had to fucking capitalize back in the day, and now it's just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, um, uh, I think Defet's wines hit like fourteen or fifteen, which is wow, hot. Yeah. I mean, my last year, what we're drinking right now. Thanks, Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the Loire is creeping up that way. Um, like I was pretty surprised to see those in the store that are easily fourteen one. But I'm also like, oh, are you trying to bypass the uh, the new laws? I mean, yeah, no, it's it's the same thing here, though. I mean, like even oh, where where we don't have to worry about you know like labeling fourteen yeah. percent to sell the wine, like. It's it's hard to find as a buyer now in the Loire Valley whites, especially mm-hmm. that are less than thirteen percent alcohol. Wow, you know, and it, and it, people people really trip out over it. You know, they're they're looking still for these like life, very very fresh wines, and it's hard to explain to people that like people are trying to pick earlier, but if you want to still get the ripeness, if you're still you know trying to get the the fruit but also retain the acid you're you're just gonna have to deal with 13 and 14 percent wines from mm. from the loire and from beaujolais but then meanwhile it's like all the 10 percent wines that i can find are like axel proofer in ardesh or like you know yeah, what the fuck are they doing from- how they do that in ardesh because it's hot there no it is you know and i mean they have you know they have a lot of the the, the benefits of the wind and things that come through like mm-hmm. mistral but at the same time, like to me, I, I truly just don't understand how they're not being affected in terms of heat mm-hmm. in the same way that the Loire, Burgundy, and Beaujolais are. Um, and maybe, and maybe too, it's also like they're these are grape varieties that all are already pretty ripe varieties anyway. So if you're trying to go for life, fruitier, like you know, apero kind of wines. It doesn't really, they don't really mind picking earlier. I mean, yeah, I think that's the, the minding picking earlier. And also like, there's a question of like, 
what do people expect? Like, yeah, Beaujolais has been not just cool. In fact, I don't know if it's cool anymore. Beaujolais is like big series. People are making serious wines there now. Like, you know, people who think oh, Beaujolais are trashy are like they're they're old and they're they're going to die one day. Um, before <laughs> I do probably. Um, and it's interesting. Like, you know, the Ardèche doesn't have. A, I don't think they have to impress anyone with seriosity. They get to make fun wine. Like, um. A lot of times, I, I buy I buy a lot of wine from Jan Bertrand, who's um, spoiler we're drinking next, and I buy a lot of wine from Pierre Coton. And those wines need to be sat on for a while because, like, they're making serious wine, and serious mm-hmm. oftentimes serious means not fun in some levels. Yeah, like it. I sucks. don't think they're so fun though. I don't think they're that serious. Well, they we, we actually <laughs> we drank a bottle of Pierre Coton right before we made the pandemic happen because we had so much fun. Oh. Right. That was a good day. I remember. I think we brought it on quicker. Yeah. So sorry, I, uh, everyone. It was like we were at the dinner and like we were joking. Oh, maybe we should all wash our hands. <laughs> and then you're like, I'm actually flying to California tomorrow. Yeah, flying to California. I did fly to California. I just flew back immediately <laughs> without a girlfriend. Without a girlfriend. <laughs> you brought plenty cake. Of COVID. Plenty of COVID. And I got the. She got the Subaru. I got the dog. So I mean, really, who won? She won. I really missed the Subaru. <laughs> now I'm just thinking Sifion Stevens in my head and going, and he called me Subaru. <laughs> I've been listening to Come On Field Illinois like every day. I'm having a fucking time. I've been, there's a, there's a, a there's an animal. This is a, 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 not dissertation, discursion. This is discursion. Um, there's a, there's a, there's an animal rescue place near me. And oh. whenever I meet like a really beautiful pit bull, people are like, oh yeah, we got him from Sean Casey. And I'm like, okay, you know, I don't know what Sean Casey is. I don't give a shit. And I found it. It's a, a, um, I was walking around in Windsor Terrace. You know, um, old ethnic white people, Brooklyn is so fucking confusing. It's yeah. like <laughs> this old like Irish neighborhood and everyone's like off the boat Irish. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I hate them. And I think I'm allowed to hate these immigrants. You know, they're not the plucky kind. They're like the racist kind, um, unlike every other Irish person. And then um, so when the animal place, I found it, and the logo is a chameleon. And I was like, excuse me? It turns out they're an exotic animal rescue place, not just for pit bulls. And there's nine giant fucking tortoises in their courtyard. Oh, like, my God. Like 70 this pounds. This is your wet dream. I'm not coming here. <laughs> yeah it's a dry dream (laughs) i want to make every very clear i have not gotten erections looking at these turtles and i don't plan to but you and i go there and say hi and i'm so you're you're edging yourself at the tortoise it's actually hard to edge with the tortoise because they're round like it's really not much you can dig into (laughs) oh no (laughs) but we're, we're we're having fun uh yuma and i uh she doesn't recognize them as beings yet like I, the other day, so we've been there about four or five times now. Um, and the other day, one of the tortoises was poking his little leg out, like it was going to, and I don't know if you guys spend a lot of time around tortoises, um, but they look like if you free them, they'll grant you a wish. Like there's mm-hmm. something about them where it's like, it's like poking They have a little... mystical quality to them. Oh my God, do they ever. And um, <laughs> Yuma sniffed its foot and just nothing. Absolutely no sign of recognition that this animal has a soul. So I'm going to get a new dog. Uh, is that kind of the moral of the story? Like, Can I, I, I keep know. her? I'm sorry? 
Can I keep her? You can have Yuma, yeah. I don't like her anymore. Oh, cool. Sweet. Yeah. Okay, I've been wanting go. a pet for a while. <laughs> so just, this is great. You can take Yuma, like literally, it takes a village to raise a dog. So you can take her whenever <laughs> you want. Okay. Thanks. Um, Claude, are you coming back around on this one at all? Uh, no, I'm moving on. Okay. I'm done with this one. Oh my God. You know, ironically, this three years ago was my like entryway into natural wine. Mm-hmm. This was my favorite thing ever, but I'm mad at it right now. <laughs> Beaujolais in general, you mean, or uh, like? No, this cuvee. Oh, it's bad. You... The premise. I think the sixteen or the seventeen. No, it must have been the sixteen. Was like my favorite thing in the world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's This is a Jenny and Francois wine, so I don't know why it's mousy. Well. <laughs> well. Wow. I mean, I don't think they. I didn't think they did that. <laughs> I know, right? They don't accept mouse. They no, don't accept it. slave labor. Oh. They don't accept anything. <laughs> I'm just now. That is alleged. I've heard that there's been some litigiousity out there. So I just want to say that's not. I think everyone is doing really good labor practices, and I don't even need to know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there is but, nothing. There is nothing bad happening in anyone's book. But I think if you are, you know, I, I think that this is a good time for soul searching if people are making allegations. Um, okay, this smells better. Huh. Oh, this is gorgeous. I was nervous that we wouldn't have Hold much on, content. So now we're at um, Jan Bertrand's. Well, two of us are on Jan Bertrand's O Beaujolais, which is his, his cuvées are getting so much sluttier name. This used to be Origine, and now it's just O um, uh, uh, exclamation point ellipses. Wait, I, doesn't it still say regime? No, they got rid of it. Um, uh, it's just, oh. Everyone's huh. suing him. So this is his big O face. Um, is he really being sued? Oh my fucking God. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. This is the juice. <laughs> this is the juice. This is what I need. This is what I'm going to be chugging all day long. Oh, thank fucking God. The, 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 mm. I mean, Ooh. you know. Ooh. Hi. And these are growers who I think, I do think they have a lot in common. They're both like a little bit, there's a hype machine around both of them. Jan, I think, is a little bit more hyped, but I mean, I I, I think Defet. Oh. um, He makes a shit ton more wine, I think, than than Jan does. Um, And yeah. They're both like modern Beaujolais growers, which is like their good wines are super expensive. And they kind of, they, I think they would probably mostly see themselves as crew winemakers. And this is a, this is what I want to drink though. This is absolutely just like, yeah. I tried his flurry last night. At, was, um, was it good? So good. Someone told me it was boring right now. And someone said it needs more time, but I was like, okay. Mm. Which, I which mean, flurry I... cuvee? Um, from Bertrand. Was it the... No, no, uh, but which one? Because he's got two, oh, right? Mm, the one that just Four. has. <laughs> Any, <laughs> Chaos, uh, Foley, and uh, the Old Vines. It's it probably the Foley. Was it the Red Wax label? Or Red Wax? Um, yes. Yes. Oh, that's good. That's a, that, that's, that's, his, that's his slutty flurry. <laughs> I mean, Unlike every fun. other flurry, which is like I mean, really... not like flurry Unreal. is the definition of the slutty slutty crew. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I think we're the slutty crew, guys. We are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, there we go. Yeah. Because, John, you don't know that Claudia and I are part of a of a group that's called Distorted Fruit. So oh, wow. we should now extend our group to be Distorted Slutty Fruit. And I feel like that, yes. that's, Dis- the, that's the best part. Distorted Slutty Fruit, that, that sounds... <laughs> like, like, doesn't it sound like a Riot Girl band that never came to be, you know? Like, I mean, I think most Riot Girl bands really, it's just, it's just, you know, two 17-year-old women with crushes on each other who want to start a Riot Girl band. But it's really just like, they want to go vintage shopping and make out. Um, um. Like, yeah, I, I think, <laughs> I, think I mean, most I mean, rock girl bands untrue, are like they're untrue. ephemeral. It's like yeah. I don't know. It's like you know, most surf rock bands are like you know people who actually should just kill themselves. But um, wow. Or most grunge rock bands are people who actually have killed themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, if suicide was made illegal, there'd be so many more grunge rock bands. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now I'm just thinking like anytime anyone goes to one of those like euthanasia centers in Switzerland or whatever, they're just offered a grunge rock CD and saying, this, have, you, have you tried this get, instead? Get, get in the mood! Get in the mood! Oh man, it'd be so funny to like, um, so my dad's voting Trump. Um, oh, so it'd be so funny cool. if I like, booked him. Oh, like, we need to unpack this. Like, I, I get, this book him a trip. a lot. And like, I mean, I don't want him to be medically murdered by a European government, but I want him to know that it's within my power to do so. (laughs) I want to scare my dad straight, you know, (laughs) like send him there. John, this explains a lot. Like they'll they'll show him the needle and they'll be like, and like, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll come back home and like, wow, I get it. You know, now I'm a leftist. Nathan, I need to fill you in. When we were at the park, we saw uh-huh. a son and his dad playing motor cars, and John got really upset, got really mad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't so, know. I don't like I, seeing fathers and sons bond, which is going to make this yeah. is pretty hard in the future. I'm here issues. for Kevin. Are we allowed to talk about Kevin's baby? Why not? I assume so, yeah. He dresses so badly. He's like fucking. He doesn't know how oh. to dress for his body type. He sucks so bad. I don't know. Like, you know. Are God you being bless, threatened? God bless that little kid. He's just got to, you know, he's got to develop his own style. It looks like his parents dress him. Well, you know what they say: if you don't find your right style in the first three weeks, uh, you're fucked. You're Miranda July. I can just imagine in like two months, like Kevin's gonna be holding the baby. And have you seen his Twitter? Do you guys follow Kevin on Twitter? I don't. Have I don't. Twitter. I don't have Twitter. Well, big mistake. It's like <laughs> the most normie Twitter possible. It's like, oh, my son just burped. I love him so much. Oh, watching basketball, holding my son, and he has not responded to a single text message I've sent him in a couple of weeks. Do not DM him about this if you're hearing it because he doesn't listen to the podcast. John, you do realize that when Kevin comes back, he will be a changed man. He will my, be a dad. <laughs> my last podcast had to end because someone got pregnant. So um, I'm a oh. little bit nervous. Um, PTSD. Well, he'll probably drink ca- more Cabernets. Yeah. <laughs> You're suddenly going to have a strong Sonoma bent for the next few months. <laughs> oh, shit. I would strong love Sonoma for that bent to sounds like a euphemism for like what's wrong with my penis, but. 
Strong, strong Sonoma Bent is our shoegaze band. Oh, that's... yes, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is people like these episodes. Like we do, like, I was describing this yesterday. I, I met some strangers. I met some people in the park, friends of a friend, and I described myself as a wine critic. And I was mm. like, oh, yeah. That's generous. Honestly, like three of the, three of, you know, every month we'll do like three vegetables and one dessert episode. Uh, like, you know, we'll do educational episodes and one episode will be me just like, you know, getting drunk with friends and like ranting about stuff. And like, does anyone like those? And I had to be like very honest. Like, people prefer it when I don't actually give facts. They really <laughs> like it when, when there's like bad wine opinions. So you guys are all welcome. Thank you. Well, not you. And here I, here I was with a set of facts about Rui. One fact, one fact. I still want to hear it. Yeah, give us list them out. Let's hear some facts. <laughs> well, here's an here's an interesting fact. I was just reading that has nothing to do with Beaujolais, but really to do with oh, with, good, okay. Uh, <laughs> language in France. Uh, so, Spanish. women up until uh, the end of the 1920s, if they worked and uh, like as part of the the viticultural industry. They were not allowed to be called vignerons. Mm -hmm. They were only counted as women, uh, okay. as femme or ouvrière agricole. Okay. Uh, the term vigneron was actually only used in Alsace uh, and was not allowed to enter into the dictionary. What the fuck? What, what do they call them everywhere else? Uh, there was no. There was no conception of it. Like the idea that a woman was uh, making wine, and even though that even though now we kind of use vigneron to be that sort of like cultish, all-encompassing term for the person mm -hmm. who makes, grows the wine, makes the wine, the winemaker. Mm -hmm. Vigneron for a long time was just the word for the person, for people who like worked in viticulture. Okay. Um, and who weren't sort of transient labor, but people who, you know, were permanently based uh, at a vineyard or at a, um, in a viticultural environment. But women were just not considered that at all. But no, I mean, up until, you know, up until like even in the, in the 1960s and 70s, there was still the tradition that women weren't allowed into the cellars in large parts and many parts of Burgundy if they were on their period because- oh, I know the, some winemakers like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, exactly. And so there's, there are, I've been talking to uh, female winemakers who, for all intents and purposes are taking over because there's no other, you know, there's no male to take over and doing all this, but are still worried because there's like a grandfather that's alive about doing things like Pijaj because they don't want to upset him and, and damage that kind of traditional lineage that, you know, provides them the value that they think is, is in that. That is, I'm fucking floored. <laughs> I mean, no, like, like, isn't that so fucked? Francis said, oh, every once in a while you get a reminder of like, how dark and evil Europe is. And it's like, uh, what? You, it's illegal for women to... Like, it's, it, it, it's so, it's, and then obviously like, there's plenty of people who don't care about this and it's not, clearly enforced but like it is something thank that thank god but like it's it, though. well i think at some point in time these kinds of things were enforced mm -hmm. uh 
by just preventing women. And but you know, I mean, also it's like it's social conditioning too, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're if you're used to this sort of thing, there are roles for women in the winemaking process or not. And also even just the idea of women being winemakers and doing the work in the cave, uh, it was something that was still discouraged in a lot of areas for a long, long time. I mean, women were women have been a core part of the traditional labor force when it comes to uh, harvesting when it comes to working with the vines, mm -hmm. but the the quote unquote artistic part of winemaking that happens in the cave has really, really been male dominated, and you know for such a long time. But to but to just make something as specific as that to say mm -hmm. if you're on your period, your feet are not touching the grapes. <laughs> not, not because we genuinely believe that you're going to bleed in the grapes, but just because like you carry. An evil on you, or something like that, is just—it's just mind blowing. How many, how many French winemakers have you seen ash a cigarette into like a fucking like uh, to a barrel? That's absurd right? to me. Yeah, the amount of like like you know fingernails that end up in fucking uh. juice. <laughs> just Hair. I'm thinking yeah. of a French winemaker's feet, and I'm just trying to imagine anything more evil. <laughs> Oh, well. Oh God. Well, if I can, if I can sell someone a bottle of Tom Schoberg wine that has like a legitimate insect inside of it that's still living and thriving, like, wow, has that happened? Like, yes. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Cody, I, I, maybe I didn't tell you this. There was a when. When I was at Thirst, there was a customer who got a bottle and was very kind about it, but sent me a photo and was like, I think you should let the winemaker know that he, uh, he's been asleep at the job and had a full tequila size worm at the bottom of uh, oh, the bottle. No. I've never heard about this. Yeah. Either. And I was like, you know, whatever, par for the course. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, that's, if that can happen and we can be like, ha ha ha, like. Oh, but he doesn't have periods. Real wine, natural wine, but like, <laughs> go and see a spot of blood in the in the barrel, and you're like, evil. <laughs> this is something I, I will go to the. I, I think that wine customers and people in the wine industry on our team, um, like a distribution, sales, and stuff. I think the biggest mistake we've made is we believe um, that Europeans can be saved, and we we we, we think that like. <laughs> because we're because they're into biodynamics and we're we, we're i think we think that they are all like you know cool weird leftists with like normal gender politics who like do tarot cards and like believe in biodynamism whereas <laughs> like i think that you're I, I think that so many winemakers and this isn't calling i mean I don't think this is calling out Jan. I hope it's not calling out. If it's calling out Jan, you can go fuck yourself, but I hope it's not. I think so many winemakers like see this as like, they see biodynamism as a science, not exactly as a philosophy, which is like, it makes better wine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or it's a thing you do, but like the, the idea of like making natural wine and preventing people from <laughs> humans from putting their fucking feet in there. And especially like, people who seem to be tapped into the fucking rhythms of the moon as well, not to get all gender essentialist on it is crazy. I don't know. 
Well, it's it's just like a, it's such a choose your own adventure kind of situation, right? It's yeah, like, what they're gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> like like you know, you want to take this, take this, but you just don't give a shit about mm-hmm. this yeah. or this. Well, yeah, I mean, oftentimes with with winemakers, it's like, well, you know, these not they're not racist, but they but, call everyone who lives in the city homosexual, and I can't tell if it's if they're being cool or weird about it, or like they're like. Mm, they seem to be a leftist, but they, they, they do talk about Islam a lot more than you want. Or like, you know, like everything's cool, but he said Rothschild 15 times in a conversation and I'm a little <laughs> bit, con- like, you, you, you never know because like, it, because they're all fucking lunatics, you know? And if you make wine listening to this, I'm sorry, but like, it, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a job for crazy people. And I don't know is if, I don't know what other artists are allowed to have. We really listen to them, don't we? <laughs> we, let them, we let them talk. We let them talk. But I, but actually, I think that part of the thing is, is that we don't really care about what vignerons or winemakers say, mm-hmm. you know? I, I, think that, I think that's the thing. It's like, yes, I mean, for a long time, we've considered about the politics that artists have in relationship with their art. Mm-hmm. But so often with musicians, with writers, with actors, you know, we have all these occasions where we get to hear them say things. And then, you know, like most of the time they're fairly well trained in what they say. And then you have like Marion Cotillard being a 9-11 denier. And, you know, like, and then you're well, like, I'm, 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 I'm so sorry. Uh, what does she deny happened? <laughs> wow. It's weird because we, Marion Cotard, we, we DM all the time, but she's not I know, I mean, I, she's, like, she's a close, close friend of, of the podcast. Oh, but. yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get her on an episode, but it's weird. All my episodes are 9-11 themes, so maybe that's why she hasn't responded. She's like, oh, this, oh, this is the news. I don't need to write into the news. <laughs> yes. um, but like, yeah, with winemakers, I don't, uh, you know, like, no one's, no, no one's reading vintage reports besides, like, Skernic reps. You know, Skernic reps, right? Like, or, you know, like, planner people. Like, it's like no one's, like, no one's really digging into what the winemakers are saying. Mm-hmm. And we, we just kind of deal with secondhand information for the most part. Right. And we accept that to be mostly valid. Um, and I mean, even, and the thing is, is like, how often with this art are we, like, content to just consume it and go, I don't know. Or have have a dealer who is selling us that art, you know, like a, you know, whether it's a a, a film critic or a person who works at a bookstore, be like, oh, I actually know nothing about the person who made this, and I actually really know no details about what inspired this or the background or even the content. But it's mm-hmm. great. It's fun. Buy it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that about no other work of art. You would accept it about nothing else. But we fully, fully do it about wine because we really don't want to hear what, what the winemaker says. Because I think that for the most part, the classism of wine production and wine consumption is still adhered to. Okay. And I think that like the wine, like for the most part, winemakers are farmers, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they they come from, especially when we're talking about yeah. Europe, you know, versus maybe perhaps the US, but like these people are like live in rural mm-hmm. areas, you know what I mean? Like they're not getting a lot of exposure to urban environments a lot of them can be like 
rock and roll crazy people in our community of natural wine. Mm-hmm. But they also can be people who like are in really conservative, isolated areas and are quite poor and never afford, were able to afford, uh, you know, like a lot of shit to add to their wine. And so quote unquote have been continuing with what their grandparents have been doing for generations. And we valorize them as being natural winemakers, but like they could be, you know, like conservative as fuck and terrible racists and horrible people, but we don't care because we kind of write all of them off as farmers living in their quaint villages, making beautiful wine. And then we're drinking them in wonderful upscale environments that talk about art and talk about the beauty of things and talk about all of the all of the vocabulary that we ascribe to art that requires a certain amount of knowledge and upbringing mm-hmm. and cosmopolitan influence to comprehend. And I think that that, that separation is, is inherent to the success of the wine industry. Because the more we try to combine those things and the more that we have to talk about the person where they come from and what that area is like and what that town's like, mm-hmm. you get mm-hmm. into really complicated conversations that no one wants to have. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, 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 uh, you, you want your winemakers, they have to, it, no one makes wine that good that they can't be, that you have to drink their wine even if they're terrible people. And I, I think that's such a, a hard thing to kind of get across. But like, there's this idea of like, oh, it's just, it's just wine. It's, it's just wine until you're at a dinner party. And then like, you get to talk about, ooh, it's so exciting to do this. You know, either wine's a commodity, in which case all three of us don't really have a job, or wine's something <laughs> real, in which case yeah. people need to fucking take these guys seriously. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, but it's it's interesting that it comes into the question at all, right? Because it's also like, we we have these issues because we deal with wine as, I think, as a commodity. Because well, I, no my, one's- My issues no. are from a different reason. Like, it's, yeah, totally. My parents totally. got divorced when I was eight, so it's just like, that's where <laughs> every single one of my issues stems from. <laughs> but we're not Brave talking about- Brave for you like, to admit to that. Yeah, yeah. Own it. Own the tragedy. Yeah, we're I, not, write, we're not I write sins, not tragedies, guys. I like- <laughs> What's 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 the emo band then? What's the what's the what's our variation that's our emo band name? Zero zero with the lines through it. <laughs> <laughs> it's O exclamation like unnecessary exclamation mm-hmm. point that's endemic of the panic at the disco area regime. Ooh. Like a uh, disco agricultural <laughs> <bro> yeah. area. <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> oh, exclamation point. Endemic viticultural racism. <laughs> That's our tagline. That's, That's our first tag. album, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's an interesting thing of like the juxtaposition of wine, of like where wine is consumed and by who it's consumed. Because again, like, Mm-hmm. You know, like millennials are killing the alcohol industry, but millennials are like love to drink wine, love to drink natural wine. Natural wines become like, um, you know, the 
spoiler i've I've been i've been on tinder a little bit recently and like everyone's like natural wine it's so cool oh my god uh you want to go to the park with your dog i'm like no no i don't this is that's what you do every day um (laughs) yeah but like it's interesting to like natural wine's such a cultural signifier but Mm -hmm. we are at a, a stage where it could literally mean like natural could mean absolutely not it, it could just be a process and like we're we're, we're fighting this um like again i don't want to talk about the the the, the valentine pasalacqua thing because again i don't want to get sued but um it, it does seem like natural could very easily mean mean nothing if people don't if it doesn't have an ethics tied to it well i think that's a, i think that's a really interesting question also in terms of like certification that's happening now because there i don't know if you've been following the the debate that's happening about the new natural wine certification that's coming out of france i've not that's like that's been created by um by binner and um by yeah christian binner um, and a few, you know, other sort of natural wine people from the Loire and from Alsace. Um, and it's a certification that much like Demeter requires you to be, you know, a member and then adhere to all the rules and then you'll get the certification, which you can put on your, your label. Um, and I was looking at their, you know, not their manifesto, but just like the, the basic requirements because it doesn't feel the way that they're I trying love to love a damn it. manifesto. I mean, I love a manifesto too, but I think that they're deliberately trying to not present themselves as being like, you know, a radical dogma 95 situation and, and, and be more like, these are just reasonable things that everyone who is adhering to this can follow. But there's nothing, nothing about labor ethics in it. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything has to do with viticultural practices, but principally with what's happening in the cellar. And to me, it, yeah, and it's, it's, it's really frustrating. And I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's because this conversation really is not happening in France at all with respect to labor, because the labor practices mm-hmm. in France, while there are still a lot of problematic situations, particularly in the South, like are not what's happening in, in Puglia, for instance, or mm-hmm. in California and things like that. California? What? Yeah. No one's being forced to suffocate in, uh, in horrible fires to pick grapes because they're wearing a mask. Never heard of it. Yeah, that would be what? Weird. Yeah, that yeah. wouldn't be very natty. I wouldn't be very natty. Nah, would it? <laughs> um, but it's just it's it's just sad. It's just not even being talked about at all. You know, I mean, it's something that could be very easily just it's just put in there for for the sake of solidarity, and it's not. It's just not being said. Mm-hmm. You know, Claudia, I, I'm interested to to know. Um, you're the, I think, the only one of us who who deals with um, normal people in Clinton Hill vis-a-vis wine at any <laughs> level. What, mm-hmm. what, what do people think natural wine means in your uh, understanding? Because I, I feel like thirst is such a weird beacon. Yeah. But like, I also know that a lot of the people who go to thirst are not. It's their local wine store, which is yep. good for thirst, but I don't, it, I don't know if it means the same thing to everyone who goes there. Yeah. 
I think I'm sure Nathan experienced this too. I mean, a lot of people are curious about it. It's being written off a lot still. Um, I think for them, it's more about flavor than about anything else. It's not about process. It's not about ethics, philosophy, viticulture, all the above. Um, yeah, and it doesn't help that eight out of 10 restaurants around here have natural wine by the glass and it's their selling point. Um, yeah, I, I think for them, it's really an experiential thing and not beyond what they're shown and an Instagram moment or something. Yeah. Like there's that, like there, that's kind of like the, uh, the whole kind of the worshiping the murky. Like people love these wines that are like funky, funky, mm -hmm. a little fermenty, yeah. a little bit weird that definitely feel like a like a, a product humans have made. But at the same time, people are also seem to be like then I think the next step, the next logical step is if you're if you're tasting wine that feels like it's a a, a man-made product, mm -hmm. then learn more about who made it and like what that means. Because again, like so this is something that, that I, I I talked about a lot when um when there were when when the the most recent natural wine crisis happened, which is like, what would I do if someone said this about Jan Bertrand? What would I do if it was credibly yeah. alleged that Jan Bertrand, who's one of my favorite winemakers I work with, um, who's I think wines are inc incredible and like really like. You know, I sell the wine, so like you take us a grain of salt. But I I I I think that he is one of the leading lights in Beaujolais. Mm -hmm. What would I do if I found out that his labor processes were like, if they were, could credibly be called slavery? Yeah, what would you do? Would you refuse to sell his wines? Would you ask your boss to drop him from your book so that somebody else can come and swoop it up? Like, because those wines will sell. Oh, yeah, it's not dependent will. on you. To I mean, people are still selling fucking it. Cassard. Like, people, these wines sell even like. <laughs> right. Like, um, and like, I mean, I, I think the answer is like, you know, I, I would very, I, I would refuse to sell them, but I don't know what I do with mm -hmm. the ones I have. And like, you know, I don't. Break it. Well, it down I, <laughs> I will, I will, I will say that there are some restaurants uh, in Paris who. After the um, allegations against Brendan Tracy came out, um, decided that they were going to white label all the Brendan Tracy bottles that mm -hmm. they had and serve them Ooh. by the glass and actually donate all the profits to charities. That's really beautiful. I yeah. Love that. And I think that if you like, if you are a bar or restaurant who is dealing with, you know, the uh, taking a lot of or other you know anyone in that you know who you feel no longer comfortable selling or supporting these wines you know you can I, I think at a certain point also like we're in a crisis right now sell those wines mm -hmm. but you know maybe have a conversation with your customers about them and say hey mm -hmm. you know we have this stuff we have to sell them uh to stay afloat stay alive we can't really give them back to our importer yeah. because it's past the time, whatever, the, re mm -hmm. the whatever rules are in place, but have a, use it as an occasion to actually have a conversation to them yes. about things and they might not yeah. think about. Like, like, yeah. like, let's say you're going to the pen store. Like I mean, I'm trying to think of a thing that we don't have, maybe we all have opinions pen about pens. Store. <laughs> okay. 
I'm trying to think of something that we, the, the three of us, I think we're snobby about most things. So I was trying to make a guess about pens things. Pens too. Oh wait, fuck, you like pens, Claudia. I, I don't do know. like pens. Uh, what's the thing we, okay. Earphones. Oh, earphones. You're going to the earphone oh, yeah. store. You're going to the earphone store. And you're like, well, these are great earphones, they're great reviews. Why is it so much cheaper? And like you go there and the person's like, well, you know, there's a credible allegation that the person who made these earphones killed, um, uh, you know, 4,000 uh, people in a drone strike. You might be like, I don't want those earphones. And so like, I think that any way you acknowledge mm-hmm. terrible things winemakers have done, you have like, you are pouring wine down the drain in a certain, I mean, cause like any normal person, unless you're giving it away for absolutely free, would be like I would mm-hmm. like the, the, the not, the not canceled winemaker. I think. Well, I, mean, I feel like I'm, that's also, people. it's like if we can, you know, educate customers and consumers on like, you know, cépage, cuvee, process, you know, regions, why can't we bring this, into the conversation too as part of education like these things don't just come out of nowhere there are people they do fucked up things and yeah like why yeah and i think it's you know even even for even beyond people who've been quote-unquote canceled Mm -hmm. i think it's important to acknowledge that a lot of winemakers and a lot of wine regions uh, are successful and exist uh on the backs of uh people particularly you know in Europe, people of North African and now more and more sub-Saharan African origin who have mm-hmm. been brought in essentially as slave labor to work and create the value of those regions and then are forgotten about, you know? Yeah, sure. No, 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 no. They have no part in the profits. Yeah, they have no part in the profits. And while individuals who've inherited their family's domains over generations might now be working in an operation that is what we would consider to be entirely ethical and great and natural, uh, like they, they're still sitting on, you know, they're, they're, the privilege that they have still stems from this history. And I think it's important for them and also us to acknowledge that when we talk about those things mm-hmm. yeah and there's a lot of emerging you know i mean there's a lot of emerging wine regions too where this is like a critical issue and i think it's really easy to just like entirely glaze over the pasts in those regions when we jump into talking about them mm-hmm. like i mean john i'm sure you're gonna you look at this in your your lebanese you know wine podcast next coming week. next week Coming next week. <laughs> Stay <Yeah>. tuned. <laughs> well, Le- Lebanon's really interesting because um, l- the Lebanese wine industry, as far as I can tell, is not a product of colonialism. Um, mm-hmm. Lebanon, uh, the, the, guys, the Middle East is not North Africa. But the, the Middle East actually had um, weird, like, Druze, Christian, and, and a lot of Jewish populations who actually did make a shit ton of, like, as far as I can tell, and I'm going to find it next week, but it, it seems like, the Lebanese wine industry is very supported by the French wine industry in a way of like, you know, the French picked their fucking favorites um, in, in, uh, in ethnic conf- conflicts within the Middle East. But at the same time, like, the, you know, the, the wine industry there and the wine industry in Turkey as well, which is another thing that I'm really passionate about, which we're not going to get into today. Um, whereas the wine industry in Algeria and Morocco was almost exclusively brought in as a French imperial technique. And it, it 
it's really you know they say happy families are all alike but uh, you know whatever the fucking tolstoy quote is but sad families are different in different sad ways and like i do think about that with um the experience of colonial winemaking um which is that like no one gets the same fucking French colonizers. They're different everywhere yeah. and they do different things. Um, and like you, like the amount of different, and I, I think all products are like that. I think everything you buy has misery fossilized within it. And I think we just mm-hmm. see it more in wine because we work in it. But like yeah. anywhere you buy, if you buy wine from France, they have, there's questionable labor sourcing pretty much every, there's, or the, you know, the winemaker, <laughs> has really fucked up opinions or et cetera, et cetera. You buy wine in California, you're talking about water, you're talking about migrant populations doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about like, you know, uh, big capital and like, oh, what are they doing to the land? And like everywhere you go, there is misery built into the products you consume. I, I don't mm-hmm. think this is a new information, but it's crazy how it's never exactly the same conflict everywhere. You know, it's um, yeah. like wine can be a colonial tool and it can be, it can be something that's used to beat down an, a, a population. And it can also be something that lifts up a population and like helps them develop like indigenous solitude, uh, uh, solitude, uh, strength. Independence. Independence. Oh. There we are. That's the word. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's because wine's not real. <laughs> like it's not like um, wine doesn't exist without humans to interpret it. This is, mm-hmm. I'm not high, but it's like. <laughs> No, with, I fully agree with you. Yeah, like it, wine, wine is not a term that it, it, it means nothing. It, it is constantly up for uh, up for debate and and for shifting uh, understandings. And like, it can be liberatory for some. Mm-hmm. Um, women working in vineyards in France is very liberatory. Women working for vineyards in North Africa is extremely fucked up in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And like, they, they, you know, you, things have different context. It, it, it's so shifting, and I think that it's. This sounds like I'm fucked up in out. what way though? Like because uh, women, they're working in there, or they're treated very poorly. Yes, um, uh, the vineyards in North Africa are generally owned by non-North Africans, like uh, oftentimes like by uh, French wine concerns, and mm-hmm. the women working there do not drink generally, and are just like agricultural laborers being paid very bad labor uh, wages. If you are a Moroccan winemaker and you think this is not true, please send me an email or a bottle. Um, both, probably. <laughs> don't just send me a bottle of wine. I won't drink it. Um, yeah. But there, there's a lot going on. But whereas, like, and anyway, we just talking about, like, in France, like, the vineyards being reclaimed as a space for, um, for not white dudes. And there's, like, a space of, like, women retaking it and de- developing independence and, like, you know, cultural cachet. And, like, nothing is true everything is forbidden i think Mm -hmm. satan says that in a movie once yeah probably i'm sorry i I, i'm getting off my soapbox i'm sweating (laughs) it's hot today this is too hard for me to drink this much wine i'm like i I know (laughs) i I can't wait to interact with other human beings today i'm gonna be so good at it uh, I have transitioned to my second wine. I'm not sadly not able to join you guys in the Jan Bertrand, but I'm drinking uh, Jean Claude Lapalou's Tentation, uh, his Beaujolais Village 2019, which is giving me like a little bit more, I don't know, like Sigourney Weaver vibes, which I'm really oh. loving right now. Like, like I'm so I'm, jealous. <laughs> that sounds so nice. No, but like, like 
I'm a little bit scared. I'm like a little bit business, mm-hmm. but like <laughs> I'm all kinds of woman right now, and I love oh, this. You're wow. a woman. We love that. This is this that so the nose on this is not like the premise 2019 was just like all here I am, come at me. I love myself, and this is a really much more subdued, a little a little grainier. And like, yeah, like a lot. The premise 2018 is officially mousy, by the way, now. Oh. Fuck. I went back to it. I hate oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, it smells like mouse, too. I got yelled at once because someone was like, you can't smell mouse, but this smells exactly what mouse tastes like on the nose for me. <laughs> you think you're smelling things that are associated with mouse? Mm. That's also like saying, you can't taste the rocks. Yes, I can. I know what the fucking rocks... I... I've licked them, okay? Yeah. I know what things <laughs> reference the rocks. I don't have to actually put it in my stupid... Ugh. It was a boy, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> Bless. I, 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 I feel like you absolutely can smell mouth. But I think, I think it's like it's, it's, a, it's a psychosomatic response, right? Like if you have tasted it, you are immediately sensing it. And even though... Technically, yes, it's activated by your your um, by your salivary glands. Mm-hmm. Like you should, you can still you can still anticipate it, and your nose, I think, identifies certain things as that. Mm. Because yeah, I mean, I think most people, if they like, you when you go back to a glass that has had mousy wine in it, like you can immediately yeah. smell it, and you have to wash it out. Before yeah, you if if your mouth smells like the backseat of Zeverveen's van, like it's. <laughs> It's probably going to be mousy. I don't know if he drives a van, to be honest. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> At the same time, I, we all know what I'm talking CRV. about. <laughs> oh, it smells God. like Zev's CRV. <laughs> Zev, come on the pod, maybe. Oh, God. Breaking Bad, this Everthene edition. Oh my God, I'm covered in sweat. Oh my God, I've got the Bojo sweats, baby. Yeah. It does, it does give you the sweats too. I think like too much, too much sensation can like take you, take you there. Yeah. Uh, is that, are you, wait, what is that you have there, Claudia? I, I, I put it in a Petit Paisan bottle. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, bottle? Are we going there? Okay. Yeah, we're going no. there, we're gonna drink Monterey now. We're going oh. to Monterey. I know um, the, the people listening can't hear, but look, look, look who joined me. Oh, hi, Yuma. Hi, Yuma. Oh, my gosh. I got to start an account where I just post Yuma photos on like my regular Instagram account, which is mostly Yuma photos. That's um, how you're going to, that's how you'll make money. I know. It's I, I, I shocking you haven't done that already. I think she could be a model. Oh, we're having some domain. Did, did tell me if you like that wine. I do. Oh, okay. Um, day three. Well, uh, how do you have day three wine? It's a strange phenomenon in my household. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it generally does not happen. For me, it's, like, it's gun cocked, gun shot, you know? <laughs> this is great. This is beautiful. Claudia, do you have the same... Uh, feeling as I do having a significant other who's not a wine industry person where it's like you open a bottle of wonderful wine yeah. 
Yeah. You share it, you share it with your significant other, but you, for whatever reason, don't finish it in the night. Yeah. You put it in your fridge and you fully believe like when you come back, it will be gone as it should be. And then, <laughs> and then nope. it's still there. <laughs> and you're like, what? What? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tragedy and it makes you realize truly how sad I am. <laughs> oh, I, no. <laughs> you think you're sad. I live by myself. <laughs> Every day is you just going in the fridge and going, Imagine if I was someone else. It's just me again. <laughs> I would love for someone to live in my house and not drink wine with me. That would be so romantic. Oh, it's, it's the it's the greatest gift. Is being like, it, you didn't is. drink that. <laughs> you drink it. You or, me. or they or they do like an afternoon chug, and I'm like, but 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 that was something to not chug. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I would kill for an afternoon chug. That sounds so nice. The, the, the pandemic's <laughs> been hard for all of us. I know. I know. It's been, it's been really sad. I can't I, travel. I can't see friends and hug them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we may be entering into uh, the next stage of our quarantine life here in France. I think Which is? Well, I mean, so the government made an announcement last week that uh, bars had to shut after 10 p.m. in Paris and other metropolitan areas, which makes zero sense because... That's when the pandemic, that's when the virus comes out. That's when the virus <laughs> shines. Yeah. COVID's, COVID's sitting in the wings and then it's like like a drag queen being like, I'm going to have a disco nap and then I'm going to turn up at 11 p.m. <laughs> Here to death drop on all of y'all who are still <laughs> sitting on it. And, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, but like, you know, I at my restaurant, I don't see Widow Von Du turning up at 11 p.m. Like, I see uh, the wind coming and I see no tables because everyone wants to go home, you know what I mean? Like COVID, COVID has turned a lot of people into hermits. And I mean, for, yeah. good, re for good reason, but like this, these kind of like arbitrary things, I don't think are benefiting anyone. And I think it's either, you know, it's either that we all agree that we fucked up, opened too soon and did not do a, a, a strong enough job in terms of contact tracing to mm -hmm. ensure that people who are out enjoying themselves didn't spread the virus and just and just close again mm -hmm. or don't don't do anything at all these are the the industries that are the most vulnerable because there's nothing you know like with this yeah the people who like you know, no one no one gets to go back on uh the kind of chômage partiel that we had during quarantine where people who were um were unemployed because of this got basically 80% of their wages paid to them by the government. Uh, it's like, no, you just lose all of the sales and profits that you would have gotten from um, people after 10 p.m. It's weird to see um, that my, my, my friends who uh, just keep making money during this, like the ones who have real jobs. Oh my like, God. Like, yeah. Oh, I, I still have to sell wine. And like, it's, and, I'm very lucky because I don't have to sell wine at a restaurant. But like, I mean, like, you know, the, the booze industry is, we all have to, I don't know anyone who doesn't have to work. Mm -hmm. 
Whereas I don't know the finance industry. I don't think they ever did do work, but now it seems like <laughs> no. They're they're day trading in their underwear. I don't. Is that, I don't get, know if that's the term. Yes, no, and their underwear is an official term. Okay, cool. Part of the job description. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Fuzzy robes and all. Naked and paid. <laughs> Naked and paid. Wish it yeah. were me. Yeah. And it's like this, uh, you know, talking to heart, like talking to winemakers now at this point where they're trying to anticipate how much wine that they need to make for 2021 and truly not knowing like, am I going to be able to sell wine? Like, am I going to be able to sell wine in the US next year? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know, I mean, yes, yeah, and, no, and no one does. No, it's really scary because this is an indefinite thing, but because restaurants and bars are not getting and and wine shops too are not getting the support that they need to stay afloat it's like like no no one can say with any degree of certainty whether or not they're going to be there around to buy when there's a vaccine or when they're able to return to normal to normalcy yeah it's um i, I think i've mentioned this in the podcast before i was listening to a history of the roman empire podcast mm -hmm. something that really gave me heart was they um they found records of this one guy who was a wine seller during the like canonical fall of Rome, like through like the last Roman emperor, emperor, the first couple of barbarian kings. And he was just this dude who had a wine shop in Rome. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I, I've been thinking about that guy a lot mm -hmm. this year, which is like this industry that we're in is as old as people are like, yeah, they will need to I find some that. way of buying wine but that doesn't mean that the three of us personally won't get fucked over <laughs> but yeah. like hypothetically selling wine i mean you know um when i uh, you know when i embarrassed my family by becoming a, a wine person as opposed to being a professional um anthropologist which isn't a job that exists um uh it was oh it's, uh, it's recession proof and um it's i don't know if it's this recession proof which is really scary yeah but like, people are not going to not drink wine. Like, that's the thing you need during these these troubled times. Um, this is that's the most Irish statement I'm capable of making. <laughs> <laughs> that and like you know, get off my front yard. But um, it's very interesting to imagine like if everybody who does this can't afford to do it. What kind of garbage drivel they'll be drinking in in three years like if none of us can work here where will where will hip brooklynites get their booze from yeah. they'll fly to europe and they'll bring it back in their suitcases oh i'm sure <laughs> yeah wow I, I and i mean it's not like but yeah it's also like not like in europe it's getting any cheaper either you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's cheaper it's cheaper than it is in the states but the same the same issues are still plaguing people here too how much was the premises in in, in europe by the way so the premises were uh 15 euros wow it was That's 24 like, here 15 euro is like 20 bucks yeah like a little bit a little bit less than that yeah that's honestly closer price than i would have imagined i feel like we're getting we're getting more parity with them that's kind of cool yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, and, and when you consider that you guys still have the 25% tariff, like if that didn't exist, it would probably be pretty much the same price. 
Wow. Um, Thanks, Trump. Yeah, man. He's whipping Good. Europe into shape, you know? Whipping like it or not, it. he's our president, huh? And he'll be your president <laughs> for the next 38 years. No, don't say that, please. <laughs> he's going to definitely outlive me. That's for fucking sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. All, like, he, the man is so full of McDonald's preservatives that I truly... <laughs> Like, I, I don't think you're going to be able to bury him. Like, he's just going to indefinitely float forever. And this is just right. to my FBI handlers who do listen to this podcast. I also don't want him to be buried. Love oh. him, support him. This is not any, I'm not suggesting any of our fans take this into their own hands. I would hate that. Maybe I'll cut that <laughs> I would be so proud. I mean, I'm going to say Interpol is probably on my side with respect to this. Yeah, turn so on the bright lights. Do whatever, do whatever you want. Yeah. You and I have been listening to Interpol and drinking red wine like every night this week. It's so <laughs> Maybe... Interpol might be my favorite band. I, 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 keep, I keep coming back to like, you don't understand a single word they're fucking saying. It's that weird like, uh, like post, 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 post shoe days mumble. <laughs> and yeah. It's like, it's so comforting. Like Stella was a dive, bass, 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 bass. I love it so much. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's what makes like, because the Cocktail Twins great is you're just like, yeah. It can and be you're like, like literally anything. You it can be about, like them. Yeah, you can be like I, literally anything and it feels so comforting. Yeah. No one no one needs actual direct language put at them. We don't need words anymore. Mm. Can you imagine reading my bloody Valentine lyrics? Like <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> like posting them on your um, AOL instant messenger st- away message. <laughs> yeah, with like the stars and the swirlies, all the things in a different font. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> the amount of effort that we put into those things at that time such a beautiful beautiful days that's truly it really was. msn messenger oh like, very oh okay of course you guys are both you guys are both from the real world i'm I, as america we only did america online instant messenger oh no <laughs> i am a i am a hot male i am a hot i, I male noticed <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Love much. my hot male. <laughs> Love my hot, hot males. Two hot males, one hot female. What's up? Welcome to Discord. <laughs> <laughs> Discord is at hotfemale.fr. There we go. I think that might that's, be. That's Kosar's email address. Oh, okay. oh I'm <laughs> Hot female, no feet in wine, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> Um, now I think that was the episode. I think that's where we've come. So um, I want to do a quick uh, round of um, uh, uh, of pimping our projects and also um, saying our final opinions on on Beaujolais, which is what we were talking about today. Um, oh, Claudia, um, what projects are you working on, and what do you th- feel about Beaujolais? Um, I will drink Beaujolais till the day I die. Which will be um, soon. Which will. <laughs> Um, I've been working with these weirdos on a zine. It's called Discordious. Glue Glue Magazine, and you guys can find it anywhere you <gasps> oh, want. <that's> <laughs> <laughs> it's much more successful. 
way more successful. So sorry to tell you this, John. <laughs> Hard to imagine being more successful than Discorgeous magazine, which is uh, you know, I work women at. women make it happen, so I think that says all. <laughs> I agree. Um, but yeah, I love you guys. Take care of each other. Currently, Discorgeous podcast is just me, so I will take care of myself. Thank you. Well, I, I'll take I'll take those good wishes. Thank you, Claudia. Um, I am uh, currently working on two projects. Uh, you should definitely check out uh, Google Magazine's next issue, which will be about labor. Cool. And all questions about uh, labor from all different levels of the industry. Um, and I'm going to be doing an interview with Romain Dugrote, uh, a winemaker from Beaujolais, <gasps> tie-in, um, that, you know. It's you know, such an ugly name. Romain Dugrote is like, absolutely, sounds like, not, like the like worst Catholic saint. Yeah, you're just like, <laughs> oh God, blood and blood in Christ. But um, thankfully, yeah, no blood in the grapes for this. Um, on any level, <laughs> I don't know. I hope I hope women can do pijage for Roma. We'll we'll find out. Um, and also, uh, I'm organizing a project in Paris to address uh, sexual misconduct in wine bars and restaurants in Paris. Um, so look out for that. We're trying to uh, build a coalition of uh, wine bars uh, and restaurants that are safe spaces for not only women, but for um, anyone who is um, a person of color, a queer person, affected by a lot of the uh, judgment and outright um, harassment and violence that occurs in this industry, natural wine and beyond. Um, so yeah, those two things are, are what I'm working on right now. Cool. And love to both of you guys. Love to I miss, you. I'm, I miss my New York family. Oh. Uh, I miss you so much, Nathan. Latisse oh. is like, you're going to be back here in three months' time, back in February. Joke's on him. <laughs> gotcha. Um, uh, my, my husband did not tell me this, so thank you for that <laughs> revelation. Look, come, come. You, you, can, you, can, you can finally meet Yuma. Make an honor. Oh, my God. Look how cute she's being. I guess that's the only <gasps> thing I want to talk about is my dog is the cutest dog. Um, everyone should... Um, I will triple down. You should all read Glue Glue magazine. Um, if you can't find it at your local wine store, you could um, read Discorgeous magazine, but only if you've been like, <laughs> you've been hit by a truck and the only like symptom you have is you can't discern quality. Because again, if you have one quality zine, you should probably read Glue Glue. Um, and then um, please continue listening to the podcast. Uh, uh, the, 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 the Patreon feed is very weird and we we love it um i'm doing an episode with my old podcast actually coming up soon which will be very exciting um which will not be about wine i don't think it will be about conspiracy theories and um if you see kevin tell him i miss him <laughs> oh that's all i got kevin oh he's gonna come back and he's not gonna have listened to any of these he hasn't even heard the theme song yet oh it's gonna be a surprise. It's gonna be a real banger when he hears it. Um, thank well, you. We, guys. we all need to go out on the theme song. I don't know how to make it play twice. I don't know how to make it play once. This is like this is. I can do it in post.
So I want you guys to all imagine the theme song and I'll just play it. I'm going to play it right now for the fans. Okay. I love you all. I'm going to press the end button. Don't do anything because I don't, I want to make sure it saves. Okay. Okay. Uh...